0: Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: We're going to call these practical actions or practical truths, practical meaning that based on the position we have in Christ, these are the things that we need to do. i reduced it. I hope I have not oversimplified it, but I tried to do it for your memory and my memory, is to give you three words. They all begin with the letter C, all right? And they're all found in the context here. The first would be the word consider. So let's look, if you will, in verse 11. And that's where we're going to pick it up. We're only going to go through verse 14, and we'll be out of here. All right, verse 11 says... Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So let's pick that verse apart a little bit. You see the phrase where it says, even so. When you see that word, even so, here's what's really going on in the context, all right? Paul just gave a boatload of truths that I've just covered with you in three points. He'd given it to him in about ten verses, and previous even more than that, he said, even so, or you could say it this way, because of this truth, because of all of this being a reality, or as a result of all of the position that you have in Christ... You, the implication is you now to do need to do something with it. And so now the Greek changes into more of an action dynamic rather than a knowledge dynamic, all right? You need to have the knowledge because some people are acting on stuff that preachers will tell them to do or teachers will tell them to do that sound real good but are not based upon accurate truth. So he says, even so, all right, because of this, because this is truth, this is what you do. And he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, now, the word consider is generally an accounting term, which you could say, now that you have this, consider it to be so, or believe it to be true, and now act upon it. So consider yourself to be dead to sin. Now, you're not dead dead, you're just dead to sin, meaning that it doesn't have to have power over you. Now, how many of you were with us a couple of weeks ago when I used this illustration? I heard a lot of feedback from you that it really helped you understand this, so let me give it back to those that are new today. Remember how I mentioned to you that uh, Abraham Lincoln gave the the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing the slaves. It became truth, it became law, but many slaves, it took a long time for slaves and masters to even fully um, grasp that new law, that freedom that they had. That's very simple when people are living so different ways to either please God or please another God or please themselves and do all sorts of stuff, and then all of a sudden you hear it's by faith alone and Christ alone, and that when you trust Christ, you died with him, you rose with him, you have power over sin, oh, all of a sudden I get that now. That's all truth, and it became real for me. I had to have the knowledge of that, but now I have the choice of, watch this, whether or not I'm going to believe that to be true. Those slaves could have heard that from Lincoln, but still chose not to believe it. They could say, I hear what you're saying, I got that information, but I'm not going to act that way. How many slave masters might have still said, I hear all that, but I'm going to do my own thing? Again, you might have the understanding of it to believe, but now are you going to consider it to be true? Now we're going to get a little bit weird here. Now the slaves are saying, I heard that information... I do believe that that's true, and I do believe it's true for me. That's when we get to the next point, which is the problems when you're tested against it. I don't want to get there yet, but I want to prepare you for that. So I have to now count it to be true. So let me pause for a moment. In your mind right now, you have to believe, as you read through Romans 6, 1 through 10, that those truths are real for you, that you died with Christ The very fact that you're in Christ and forever saved. You rose from from the dead with Christ. That means you have a new life in him now and all that goes with it. That you've died with him and so sin doesn't have to have the power over you. You heard that to be true. Now here's the thing. You have to count it to be true for you. You have to believe that that is true for you. And that those of you that still walk around feeling like, I just can't help it. The devil made me do this thing. I'll never get past this thing. I'll never change. That what you're really saying is those truths aren't real. Or you're not counting them to be real in your own life. And you'll always suffer defeat until we choose to activate, watch this, from our mind and our will. It's a choice that we make that this will happen. So again, it says, consider yourselves to be dead. But now we don't stop there. Notice in the verse it has a comma. It has the word but there. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. We already talked about that. But to be alive in God in Christ Jesus. Now, for a moment here, I I got thinking... Why is it that as a a pastor doing a lot of counseling with people and you hear a lot of people yik-yak back and forth, why do they have trouble, not so much with hearing this truth, because it's in the Bible and there's a lot of people dealing with it and sharing it, but why they have trouble counting on this to be true for them, considering it to be true? Let me give you four that I jotted down that worked for me. Why people have a hard time to consider themselves free from the tyranny of sin. It's not in your notes. Many don't know they are free from sin's bondage. They've never been taught. Number two, Satan does not want them to believe it. We must remember that there is a liar out there, Satan, who will do everything he can to get those people to not believe it. Number three, the reality of salvation—that's when I trusted Christ and you trusted Christ—is often not felt or even physically observed. When we trust Christ. It's different than being born in your mom and dad's family. When I was born in my mom and dad's family, they said that I cried a lot, okay? All right? I don't remember that. don't. My mom knows the pain she went through. Maybe my dad vicariously through my mom, but I don't know any of that kind of pain then, but there was pain there. When I trusted Christ as Savior, I can't tell you the night that I trusted Christ that all of a sudden I'm going to heaven and, that feels so good. I can't tell you that. I can tell you this, that something inside of me gave me the assurance that no matter what happened, I'm heaven bound, and I had to go tell somebody, and I told my dad. But no physical change, no biggie thing happened, no bells and whistles. I didn't speak in some language of some type. All I can tell you is that the fact remained, I believed, it happened to me, that was true. it was over. Like those slaves. When they heard that truth and they believed it to be truth, Nothing really physically happened to them, but maybe inside there was a sense of joy, but that's it. The fourth and final one is this. They are still in a battle over sin, and so this seems to contradict the very truth that they have died to sin. So that's why they're having a difficult time considering it to be true. If I really did this, why do I still struggle with this? And so they're constantly reaching out to one counselor after another counselor. They're, they're really worrying about all of this stuff. They almost fixate on it, and, and they can't get past it. Rather than believe it, and get on with life. And that's basically what it's saying here. Consider yourself dead to sin, but alive unto Christ. Let's go to um, number two. The second word is the word, not contest, but the word contest. 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 Have you known anybody, uh, maybe in a family or a friend, who when a will was read, they didn't like the outcome of that will that was read to them, and they did what with the will? They contested the will. Do you know anybody like that? Would you raise your hand? Have you ever heard anybody doing that? Okay, some of you have. You've heard the term, I'm sure. You've contested it. What that means is, I got the information, but I'm pushing back against it. I understand what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree with it, and I'm going to contest it. Now, here's what we're saying now. In this passage, it's not so much, I hear that I'm free from sin, and now I'm fighting back against it. No, that's not what it's saying here. What it's saying here in this passage is simply this, that I know that I'm free from sin, but sin is still very powerful. In order for sin not to be powerful over me, listen now, it's more than just in my mind counting it. Oh, it's not supposed to be powerful, therefore it's not. It still will be. It's just saying in your mind now, I count it not to be um, possible. In my life, affecting my life, I understand that it's there, but now what I'm going to do is I'm willingly going to push back against it. And this passage shows us how to do it. We're going to contest the fact that sin is there. Let's go back to the passage and you'll see what I mean. Since I already consider by the believing part myself to be dead but alive in Christ, therefore, Paul says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you will obey its lusts and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of righteousness. So I put the word contest there. So contest sin. When sin says, I'm going to take over, I'm going to reign, you can say, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not going to let sin be the master of my mortal body. I'm not going to obey the lusts of it. I'm also not going to continue presenting my body as instruments of sin and unrighteousness. So I'm contesting that statement that sin wants to have rule and reign over my life. I am saying I'm not going to let him do that. So when sin comes up against me, I'm going to say, no, you're not going to be my master. I don't have to answer to you. I don't have to submit myself to you. You do not have to control me or have that influence over me. And secondly, I'm not going to let you continue using me. Now watch carefully. Look up here. A moment ago I talked about the part of our body which is our brain which comes to our which is our mind and our thinking and our will and our choices all of those things will be affecting our body. If I choose to steal, in order for me to steal, I have to either use my fingers on a keyboard to try to steal someone's identity and use it that way. Or I have to, kids, reach up to my mom and dad's dresser and take some money off their dresser top. I'm having to use my body as instruments of doing unrighteousness because my mind, my brain, is now not resisting Satan, and in this case, sin. So that's why it's called the body of sin. It's my body is doing the sin, not my soul and spirit that has been regenerated, that has been born again, that has been made new, that is the new me, that's the new self, that's the one that is perfect. This part of me is not perfect and I'm dealing with this all the time. Look up here. That's why you have the fighting back and forth between the two often in our life. And here it says, push back against it. Don't let sin reign over you. Say no to sin. Say, you're not going to be my master. Christ is my master. His word is my master. I'm also not going to let my body keep doing those sinful things. And to keep my, watch this, to keep my body from doing sinful things, I have to take my mind. Watch this, Romans 12, 1 and 2, renew my thinking back to scripture again. So that's the consider part, and that's the contest part. And if you want a reference on that, a good one is Galatians 5, 16. I walk in the spirit, so I won't fulfill the lust of my flesh. And the third word in this passage would be the word cast. cast. So the first one is consider, the second one is contest, and the third one is cast. Go, if you will, at the end of verse 13, it says, but, so you see the contrast of the casting, it says, but do this instead. What you're going to do now, instead of surrendering yourself to sin, you're going to contest sin, but you're also going to present yourselves to God. That's the positive. The contesting is the negative. But present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, That would be you and me and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. All right, look up here again. Back to the piece of paper. I am dead. I place my faith in Christ because Christ died and rose again. He's alive forevermore. I am now alive forevermore. That's why this verse says here very clearly, very clearly about how that we are now dead, but now we are alive from the dead because we died with Christ. We live with him. For some of you that feel like this is very shallow to you, let me give you one other thought. In biblical interpretation, you have what is known as the first mention principle. When God mentions something for the first time, he kind of sets that in motion in the direction he wants it to go throughout a scripture. Another principle is called the identification principle. The identification principle is in this context here and many that are like it. I'm identifying with Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. I rose again with Christ even though it happened 2,000 years ago. But because my faith is in Christ, I am now in Christ. He's the new Adam. That's the identification principle. Enough for you on that. So that's the casting part. Now some of you have been taught in maybe your translation has the word yield yourself to the Lord and don't yield your members as members of unrighteousness and it uses the word yield. Yield is not a bad word, but I don't believe it's the best word. Because sometimes when we have the word yield, when I yield, it's kind of like saying, well, here I am, Lord, if you want to use me, go ahead. I'm yielded, I'm ready, I'm willing, just... Actually, it's more of a word that says keep on yielding. In this case, keep on presenting. It's more of, if I can use this word and why certain verses might use this, It's as if I am now a gift and I'm saying, Lord, look what you've done. You've made me a new person in you now. I've trusted you as Savior. I have a new life, soul and spirit anew. My body still has struggles, but now I'm new. More than just saying I'm available, I am now saying I'm casting myself on you. I am presenting myself to you. You now have me. I am giving you giving myself to you so it's an active phrase rather than i'm waiting around for you i'm looking for opportunities now to live my life for you one commentator said that it's almost like saying i'm putting myself in the position of doing the things that god would want me to do in a god environment for him everything i do is a choice of what i do for him so i'm casting myself I like the word cast because I can go fishing, but I'll catch no fish until I take that. I'm yielded. I'm ready to go. I've got everything right here. I want to fish. Here it is. I'm yielded. But it's not enough until I'm ready now to cast it and make a choice of where I'm going to place it. So I'm now presenting myself. And it's in a tense that so we keep on doing this. Uh, are you still with me so far? I'm looking at the clock. I'm almost done. Trust me. I really am. I'm going to land the plane. There's a one-time presentation of the Lord as a believer in Christ. I trust him as my Savior. That's a done deal. I don't have to keep trusting him. That's over with. But as soon as I trusted Christ as my Savior, not to stay saved, but because I am, there ought to be that one time that I am now presenting myself. I'm saying, Lord, here I am. I'm giving myself to you with the choice of living according to your word, in your power, for your glory. And I'm making the choices that's now going to change my behavior. I'm doing that as a choice. But watch this. But because we live our life with the flesh that will be making choices that are not always right... I need to continually be making that presentation to the Lord. I need to continually cast myself on the Lord. It's like um, in the old days, you'd take the, the calf and you'd put it on the altar and you'd kill this thing because that was your offering. It's over with. But the difference is we now become the calf. We don't physically die, so we keep crawling off the altar. So we need to keep putting ourselves back on the altar again, again and again and again. Watch this. Not to get saved, not to stay saved, but because we are saved. Last verse, and this is what we'll end because this is so important. last, he kind of brings it up, and next week we're going to get into some new material but still connected. Go back to the verse, Romans chapter 6, and particularly look, if you will, now at um, verse 14. Oh, this is great. Then it says, for sin shall not be master over you. Let's pause a moment. If it says it shall not be master over you, it implies that it can be master over you. But it should not be master over you. So you have the choice of whether or not you're going to let sin master over you. How do I know that? Draw a line to verse 12. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, implying that it could. So here it says, for sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. And underline that phrase, we are under grace. I love that because it tells me that even when I do blow it in my Christian life, I'm not under the law because the law condemns and kills, Scripture says. But God says when you're under grace, you are saved by grace. It means I didn't do anything to get saved. I am kept saved by grace, which means that even after I'm saved, if I mess up, I'm still underneath that grace, and grace doesn't kill. It brings liberty and life. So I'm saved by grace, I am kept saved by his grace, and then I'm also disciplined by his grace, which means God will do things in my life so that I will continue to forsake the sin that I will continue to chase after righteous living and righteousness in my heart, and I will at the same time look forward to the soon coming of the Lord, so grace saves me, grace keeps me saved, and grace teaches me, and all of that grace is only available to those who place their faith alone in him. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you got all that, but I'm asking you if you'll do this. Go back over this material. Get this message. It'll be... Uh, uploaded on our website tonight and tomorrow. Listen to it again. Read through this passage. Get yourself a good study Bible. Read the cross references on this. And then be back with us next week because there's so much to learn. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just um, take a moment and just worship the Lord right now? those of you that are kind of um, looking at Christianity and trying to discover its full meaning, all you need to focus on now is that Jesus died and he rose again. He did that. Know that to be true. Believe it to be true. And then believe it to be true for you because he died and rose again for you. That's called grace. He did what was necessary to deal with the law that condemns and destroys. But the law is good because it does point us to Christ. And so now what you want to do is to say, all right, I believe that to be true. He died and he rose again. I believe that. The next is to believe it to be true that Jesus says, his own words, he that believes on me has everlasting life. And the believing is a dependence on him. It's not just believing that he existed as a historical figure that did something. But you are trusting in that now. You're counting on it. You're considering it to be true. And in a sense, you're contesting any thoughts that would tell you that good works would get you to heaven or something else. You saying, no, no, no. It's only Christ. And now I'm going to ask you to cast your eternity On Christ right now. You're placing your faith in Him. Not in any way. Attached to a good work. Religious or social or any other way. Please do that. This way you'll cease being under law. But will now live victoriously. Under grace. Do it now. Just say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong and I probably still will. But by your grace and mercy, I can have eternal life because I am counting on you to be my forever Savior. No one or nothing else can save me apart from you, Lord. You are the Savior. Your deeds described your Savior. It made you the Savior that you are. It's through your deeds that made you Savior thank you for dying, rising again, and now my Savior, because I'm trusting in you. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you so with no one looking around with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're trusting Christ, I'd like to pray for you, my dear friend. I'm so glad the one prayed with me when I trusted Christ that night as a 16-year-old, lost, 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 lost teenager. Didn't understand really nothing except Jesus was the Lord who died and rose for me, and it was by faith alone, and That started me on this wonderful journey. But I had to start there and only there. So if you're trusting Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand in a moment. I'm not going to have you come forward. You're not going to have to say anything out loud. I'm not going to mention your name or describe you. I'm not going to do anything that will purposely embarrass you in any way. Yes, you should go public with your faith as a result of you trusting Christ, but not as a condition of you trusting Christ. So if you'd like for me to pray for you right now, If you're today trusting Christ as your Savior, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? Put it down. All right, Christians. A lot was said foundationally, but for you, you know a lot of this, so maybe the last for you would be to remember three things. One is to consider for yourself that you are dead to sin when you trusted Christ, which means that you're alive unto God now. So maybe thank God right now That when you became a believer, you were placed into Christ. And maybe you don't understand it all. But you could say, Lord, I agree that I was put in Christ and I'll never be cast out. Maybe for those of you who are Christian, you might say, when Christ died, my old sinful self was crucified. And Lord, I want to thank you that you did that when I trusted Christ. I'm identified in that. And we know that our old self was crucified with him so that sin can be rendered for us powerless. It's powerful, but at the same time for us who are Christians, it's rendered powerless. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And if I've died in Christ with Christ, I'm freed from that. And maybe we can thank God that not only for Christ's death, but also for his resurrection that that gained for us ultimate victory. Not only glorification and heaven victory, but now. And if we're raised with Christ, we live with him. And death no longer is mastery over us. Yeah, we know we're going to die, so in a sense we're going to die. But that's only like cutting off a fingernail because we're still going to exist forever with the Lord. So death for us is really nothing. And Satan would love to put us in the fear of death? But death is just a homecoming. Some people think we're alive now and we're dead later. Actually, we're more dead now, but we will be alive forever with him. So maybe that would be some things that you could pray as well. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these truths. I know that in many ways they are rich And it brings uh, many more questions to the surface. But we don't fear those questions, Lord, because we know all the questions that we ask that you want us to have the answers to, that you will help us understand those line upon line and precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little, but Father, we will grow in this knowledge. And we won't get it in all one message, but as we continue to stay faithful, the mind's alert, your spirit of God will help us, Lord. So thank you for that. I thank you that these truths are truths that will. Remind us that we've been set free from the bondage of sin and that now we are to choose to present ourselves like a Christmas present, but to you. We don't just stay under the tree. We're taking us as a present and we're putting it out there, Father, in the realm of God, in every way possible, Father, for you to use us as we now learn in Scripture how we are to be used. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Help our church to be strong in your word, but very loving in our relationships with others